<laughs> Welcome back to the Cock and Ball podcast, where we look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Uh, you can follow us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at Cock and Ball underscore Pod. I'm Tom, aka Fen. I'm your Captain Smollett on board this Ye podcast tonight. Uh, and with me is a man who looks like he plays football with one leg, our very own Long John Silver, or perhaps I should say Lucas Rodriguez Mora de Silva. It's out. <laughs> what a mouthful. Good evening. <laughs> and sat chirping away on his shoulder is his loyal parrot, or should I say Troy Parrot? It's Jules. Good evening, mate. How are we doing? Very well, thank you. The wide-eyed adventurer that usually tags along on his pirate adventure on our hunt for buried trophies, Jim Hawkins, or, or rather Jim Summers, uh, he's not with us this week. But as you can tell, we're Treasure Island themed because there's no greater treasure than beating those wretched bunch of sea urchins <laughs> down there the other end of the Seven Sisters Road. But first, shipmates, let's navigate our way through uh, this week as it came. Firstly, we were in Austria, which you'd actually struggle to sail to because it's landlocked. Um, <laughs> none of us expected the free or draw that uh, they managed to salvage in the last minute. But what exactly went wrong? Well, where do I start? I mean, usually you guys know that I take notes as I'm watching the game, so I don't look like a twat on this pod with nothing to say. But the only thing I wrote down this time was Sanchez and a heart of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> they weren't great. In general intensity weren't there. No one, no one bothered to turn up. They didn't want it. I didn't want it. Nobody cared. <laughs> they they scored some good goals, but they were helped by heart. We scored some rubbish goals, and we were helped by their being awful. So, yeah, great watch. It did hit a bit of a worldie, though, that last one. Yeah. but I mean, pretty good goal. (laughs) It was a good finish, but why Sanchez decided to give him all the space in the world, I have no idea. But, yeah, okay, good finish. We're we're through to the next round. That's the important thing. We've still got a chance to go top of the group to avoid the Champions League dropout. So, you know, not all is lost, but the less we say about that game, the better. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that we should just bury that one in the sand. That's another Treasure Island theme. <laughs> um, but like you say, we've qualified, essentially. All we have to do is beat Antwerp and we are top of the group. We had to beat Antwerp to have any chance of topping the group, regardless of whether we drew or won at, at last. So not a great deal will change. But let's sail our way anyway to the top of the high seas, or as we call it, the Premier League table. Because for two weeks now, we've been anchored here. <laughs> um, we had a we had a cane assist son and then a son assist cane and, and a clean sheet and it's just getting a bit boring now. Just Spurs being <laughs> fairly good. I'm I do not want to go back to the days of Harry Redknapp. <laughs> <I'm, I'm, laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, boring boring two nil on top of the table. I will take it all day long, good sir. Good. I'm glad you're as just, petulant as the rest of us. <laughs> I'm just terrified now that we'll get called butlers again when we inevitably finish fourth. <laughs> Considering we were never top of the league when Leicester won it and we were called butlers by everyone who'd ever watched a game of football. I think that year was a bit different though, wasn't it? Cause it, was a, it was a freak year where like so many teams sort of planning cycles and kind of like, like renewal seemed to be meaning that that year there was just no good established team in, in the division. So it was a bit of a freak moment and it was just which team from outside the top four was going to win the title which was odd this year though like you know i mean this liverpool team look mean mean as fuck let's be honest (laughs) they look like absolute (laughs) bastards so if we can be drawing the top of the table with them then we should be we should be quite chuffed fennis what did you think it was strange because every time i watch a north london derby it's the same for all of us you just spend the whole time 
shitting yourself. And <laughs> well, sorry, I shouldn't have got RBS. But um <laughs> <laughs> But what, what I was surprised by is just how throughout all that time when they were pinging in cross after cross, I never felt that that worried. There was never that massive clear goal scoring opportunity where I thought we were at a bit of a risk here. And despite having that 2-0 lead at half time, the second half I felt quite calm. It just felt fairly routine. And North London Derby shouldn't do that. And I'm starting to worry that this might be a sign for something good. I'm not used to this. <laughs> well, you know, you're not used to not having panic and nerves and kind of topsy-turvy matches which stress you out undeniably and leave you feeling at the end like you need to go have a bath and kind of a lie down somewhere yeah well i'm used to like people like asa ricotto trying to do a cruyff turn in his own box but there are moments where you just think right just get rid but then i'll devour would kick it into the upper tier and you think (laughs) hang on this is this isn't us normally we just pass it back to them because we try and do something a bit clever a bit silly everyone looks calm the whole collective looks I mean, so I'm, on board. I'm used to seeing that from Toby because I've always, I've always said to you both that my, my favourite thing about him as a defender is that I feel like his, his decision making is impeccable. You know, when it's got to go, it goes. When the pass is on, then he'll play it. That's fine. But like he, I find him very sort of like reassuring to watch. Weirdly, he's sort of like a mac and cheese. You know, you just stick him in the oven. You know, he's going to give you a solid seven out of ten dinner. It's, it's sort of, he does that <laughs> job. But I'm astonished that Mourinho's managed to make me feel calm watching Serge Aurier. That's He's yeah. just started three league games in a row, which we were all pissing ourselves about at the start of the month. And he's been right back in all three. And he's been absolutely class. Like, we, we, should, we should all give him a, you know, it's, it's, I think we've all been perfectly happy to stick the boot in. And we should all be willing right now to, to sort of give him credit where credit's due. Let's be clear, though. He was awful before. <laughs> he, he did shit the bed a lot of times. <laughs> so I think he we deserves were perfectly justified, weren't we, to, yeah. to shit ourselves again at the sight of Aurier. But yeah, public apology, fair play, Aurier. And I think I said it a couple of pods ago. He's, he strikes me as a big game player. Mm. So I think this sort of pressure and organisation has suited him. But what I like about him now, actually, is um, there was a good piece in the Athletic, uh, Michael Cox piece about the way we were defending against City and Chelsea and the way that our centre mids were, they weren't coming back into the back four to make it a back six. It's a bit too simplistic to call it that. Mm. But the way that Suzoko would move to support Aurier being overloaded. And they see it on quite a few occasions. Sometimes it goes amiss, but Aurier's just slugging him off, like telling him get in there and like, <laughs> close up all these channels. And it's interesting to see this strange dynamic aside to Aurier's game, which I, I never knew he had. Another one who was quietly brilliant, I thought, was Le Celso. I thought he was, Le Celso, for me, is the, the kind of player that you want on your team in the schoolyard. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like whenever you're picking from, from your mates and, and you're doing, doing the lineup for a game at lunchtime, he's the guy who just won't stop running. He puts his foot in and gets a bit niggly, but he's just a great team player. And I think... He's had to bide his time a bit this year, hasn't he? With with Ndombele, you know, really coming to the fore as this kind of sort of ten figure, and he's basically been getting thirty minutes when Ndombele can't run anymore <laughs> every every match. And but I think he's he's always bided his time. He's he's been very professional about it. And then to step in on the day when you know our first choice ten isn't there and give a game like that and put in the shift that he did and pick up a customary yellow card for shithousery. I, I, I'm a I'm a big fan. I thought he had a he had a great game and you know exactly the kind of really valuable player that helped massively this year. Yeah, he's 
funny the way he plays. He's a bit like the annoying younger brother who just prods at you constantly, and then you react, and you're the one who gets booked that's and gets, me. <laughs> gets that, in trouble. That, that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he played. Like he had Shaka, like he was red in the face. It was so fun to watch, and um, the way he moved the ball and. For the first goal, the, the space he gave himself to Aurier, or was that the second goal? Either way, he just, he, yeah, he was everywhere we needed him to be, doing everything we needed him to do. Fantastic. Well, let's talk about the headliners, shall we? We haven't even talked about the goals. <laughs> the, the brilliance of these, these world-class forwards that we have, and we're talking about a right-back. Let's take Son's goal first. I, I don't know, it must have been the position of the camera on the TV gantry. As soon as he hit that, you yeah. knew it was going top bins, yeah. and you knew the keeper weren't getting near it. I'd like to apologise to all of my neighbours because I didn't know how to react because it's a North London derby. I literally just shouted, goal. <laughs> all right, Alan Hardridge. <laughs> but you say what you see, it's like catchphrase. <laughs> Lovely goal. And I think you're right though about the camera angle, but it was almost like whoever's control, whoever was the cameraman almost thought it was going there anyway. It was like they thought it was a game of FIFA and it's like, oh, RB, power up, here you go, far side. It was like they thought it, they, they saw it happening too. It wasn't just all of us sat at home. It was, uh, you, you could just feel it was sort of like magnetic, the fact that he was going to do something special, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I wanted Son to be more of an arrogant bastard. I don't know if you saw the interview at the end of the game where he said the goal was lucky, but come on, man. you got to take those. If I scored that, I'd be telling everyone for weeks how... I'd embellish it every day. <laughs> every day, it was five meters further back. Five meters. Was he aiming for a corner flag or something? <laughs> How was that like lucky? Surely he was aiming to do that. And I think he just meant it was just a surprise to him that he actually went in. But yeah, he just struck it perfectly. He's got he's got the fear factor now as well with his pace, doesn't he? Because when he was approaching. Um, the box. I think it was Holding was the Arsenal centre-back on that side and, and he's backing off and backing off and backing off because he's just petrified of Son, of trying to dive in, Son skipping past on the outside and then he's in at you. And then Son, put, sorry, and then Son puts it in, in top bins. He for is the second, He is gone. Scon, <laughs> straight past him. Lovely <laughs> with him. But he, but he put it in top bins and then for the second one, it's almost the reverse where whoever's the defender is thinking stand him up block the shot block the shot and that allows the space on the overlap for the run of Kane so he's he's kind of terrifying people both ways now isn't he because he's he's a threat from outside the box but he's also a threat in terms of just as pure devilish sort of speed yeah it's the way he can go either way as well and there's not many players that are that good on either foot and that quick and can dribble at, at that pace that he does um, but yeah, like you said, the second goal was great, although we were helped by party. Obviously, he must have heard the bell for last drinks and just pissed off the pitch, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> 10 o'clock, well, let's get him in. I should have done that on Friday because I had an absolute shocker on Saturday as a result of feeling a little the worse for wear. That keg, that keg lads, you did me right in. <laughs> Speaking of the second goal, were you ever in doubt that Harry Kane was just going to absolutely twat that in the top bins? But when Son made the pass... I looked at him and went, why the fuck have you done? I was looking over to the <laughs> other side, like, because Kane made that really wise run of sort of coming across and pulling to the other side of Sun. And it, it, was, it meant that it drew the defenders. The defenders were drawn to Sun and the run of Kane. Lechelso and Bergvine were actually queued up on the right side of the box going, come on, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll just pass it in here. We want a headline for once. And Sun literally just went, no, we'll do it a hard way. And then Kane from that angle went, I'll do this a hard way and break another record. And he's now the top scorer in North London derby overtaking Bobby Smith, who Jim very gratefully mentioned last week. So 
And then he buy all. I don't think it's great. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think so. I was a bit stunned just, by the like, why has he done that? And then I'm like, oh no, it's fine. It's, <laughs> it's another like, perfect example of where the Chelsea's willingness to, to run off the ball benefits the team so much. You know, he might not get an assist for that goal, but him making that run on the other side forces them to tuck across, and then there is the space. And Kane, Kane and Son, one thing I love which they do is they don't just make that run, but they time it. They don't go too early. If they go too early, it's easy for someone to come across and track it. But they wait until there's the opportune moment and then they strike. And it's it's glorious to watch them in action. It really is, I thought. And Kane's finishing. Like Sometimes we do just need to take a look at him and be like, off either foot, he can just fucking twat it in. Yeah, like He true. really can Ooh. finish. Like, I, I, don't, I think apart from maybe Lewandowski... You know, it, as a as a striker of the ball off either foot, only maybe him and Ronaldo right now are in the world. You know, ahead of him off either foot. Yeah, magical player, man, and great two great goals. And I think at that point it was sort of that was all she wrote. Jose, Jose put the result, put it in the cab on the way home, <laughs> gave it at McDonald's, um, paid the cabbie in advance, and just said, "Yeah, we'll take the three points, thanks, lads." Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best thing about those goals, and I'm sure we'll probably speak about how awful Sky's punditry was afterwards, was that you know it's coming, but it's the kind of goal you just can't defend against. Because either you turn up and you just go, you know what, they're going to sit back. We can't let them counterattack. It's just going to be nil-nil. But who's going to do that? Everybody's going to want to give it a go, especially Arsenal. They didn't want to be 15th at the end of the game, did they? So they had to go for it, and that just leaves them open. And... You, there's not much you can do to defend against that that kind of brilliance but I just wanted I, there was two things that I really wanted to speak about as well one of them was Hoiberg I'm pretty sure I spoke about him last week and I'm pretty sure I'll speak about him next week but the man is probably responsible for about 95% of the times I've smiled since September <laughs> he is he's phenomenal he is, is so that so is good shade at both your girlfriends and us spend <laughs> like quite a lot of fucking time with you every week well the other 5% is beer so <laughs> Well, I think we could, we could take credit for that with the keg on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's phenomenal. The, the other one was um, Ledley King, having him as in the coach and stuff. It can't be coincident that he comes in and suddenly we've got the surest defence in, in the league. But to be fair, he was the best centre-back of his generation. And I say that with absolute confidence because he never shagged his best mate's misses, racially abused someone or missed a drug test. So there you go. Jesus Actually, that Ash, is you want, actually Ash, right. Do you want to give your uh, your Twitter handle out at this point. I think be, <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's just clarify, shall we? <laughs> your list of current and former employers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree. Levy King is is definitely kind of a, it's nice to see his presence there, and I th- I do expect he's he's had a role to play. But I'm not even sure it's a role to play with the organisational side. I think it's more that he's 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 just that link to the club's history, isn't he? And, and to what it should mean to play for Spurs. And I think Jose sort of using a little bit of that sort of value that, that King obviously has with the club's fans. I think that's a very smart thing to do because he is the closest thing that we've got sort of captain leader legend. And, you know, we should be should be very proud of that. But I think watching watching all of Jose's backroom staff constantly up in arms, complaining to the ref about every single decision in the first half. It felt brilliantly antagonising. And when the opposition's got someone like Granit Xhaka, it's the perfect move just to get on the wind-up early. I mean, he gets in on it as well, Ledby King, with the giving it out to the fourth official, because he's, I think it was uh, someone like, I think it was Jeremy Redknapp said in the Sky commentary that 
he's the most mild-mannered footballer he'd ever played with. <laughs> he, even Joe says he wanted to get King's dirty side out uh, just, just when he's coaching uh, the best defence in the league. That said, Sky's punditry for the, for the game was, once again, pretty piss poor for, for the average Spurs fan. Uh, as I'm sure Ash has prepared a long list of examples where he thinks Graham Sinest should be the next Gunnosaurus because he's a dinosaur. <laughs> it- I have to say, to be fair, Gary Neville was pretty good throughout. He actually complimented us at least three times, which is something. <laughs> but How does he do yeah. that with every goal or foul? <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be Alan Partridge, doesn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sue Nest, it, post-match punditry, just focused on, oh, well, it's boring, isn't it? Well, shut up, man. We, we're scoring, we're winning, that's fun. Get over it. Like, Wolves played great, but they lost 4-0. Who cares? Sheffield United are exciting to watch, but they can't put the ball in the net. Just shut up and move on. Like, let, let us be happy for once. We, when we were we've playing had good, good football, football isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's it. When we had good football, oh, no, they're not nasty enough. They can't see out games. Now we're seeing out games and we're boring. I'll oh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, Sooners is a bit of an idiot. And Jamie Redknapp is is a pretty face, but there's not much. There, there's not much going on beyond, behind the eyes, is there? We all, I think no. that's apparent for anyone to see. He just intends um, to do an advert for Thompson. He can do that. Maybe a lot of Botox. He's, he's, he's got a, He's got a book out at the moment, and I'm dreading the the book tour. It's going to be very different to listening to Arsene Wenger on Desert Island Discs talking about <laughs> football is art. Let me say that. Done a goal. <laughs> What the one thing I would say, and, and actually I think we should focus on this more than on Sky Sports' pathetic sort of quality of punditry for for the most part, is I thought Alex Scott was great. I thought she was really insightful. Well, it was great to see her have a meltdown at the oh, yeah. state of Arsenal. <laughs> and I say that with so much glee. I mean, I talked about the crossing earlier, and the only reason mainly that it didn't cause as many issues because they just don't have a proper number nine but that's a matter for them <laughs> <laughs> I don't even no, know yeah. if it's as simple as that I think it's if you put Kane in that team do you think you get a goal in the second half I'm not, I'm not sure necessarily you do I think there are very few forwards nowadays who are that dominant in the air that you would back them you know you'd have to go back to like a Drogba to kind of uh, to really back that tactic I don't think they often get into high percentage opportunities I've, I've, I feel like they, you know, you, if you have 15 shots from the edge of the box and each one is calculated at, I don't know, 0.1, then yeah, then that might add up to something. But <laughs> at no point has that actually been a kind of a, you haven't created anything of real value. But I just thought, I just thought Alex Scott was was a breath of fresh air. She was really good, and I, I did enjoy her meltdown. Fen like you, <laughs> but 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 she makes she makes fair points. I I take no shame in. The amount of pleasure I receive from watching AFT meltdowns. It's beautiful, isn't it? To see a grown man cry because somebody didn't pass the ball right. <laughs> I, like, I like the way that he shouted so much at Bellerin when Bellerin yeah. is probably like the nicest human being <laughs> that I don't know, I seem to read about. Like Bellerin's like activist. Yeah, uh, he's you know, slowly saving the world, isn't he? Slowly saving. I mean, although I did love, I think it was Tim Stillman. Um, of the Athletic who tweeted, if Bella, every time Bellerin commits a foul throw, I'm going to cut down a tree. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of trees. <laughs> did you see the moment? Yeah, yeah. Who was the ref for that game? Because obviously they started moaning at him when Bellerin did, a, did the foul throw. And, he was, and you could see him mind. Don't look at me, look at him. 
Oh. Yeah, I think he's a bit harsh with Bellerin. Whenever I watch Arsenal, he seems to be like they're fairly consistently like, just turns up and does his best. And I think they feel a bit sorry for him. And I like the way he tucks his shirt in as well. You don't see that so often now. No, you um, do that before Tierney turned up, or was it just to match him? I, I really like Tierney though as well. I agree. I actually think weirdly, I think Arsenal have got some some sort of building block for a good team there. You know, they've got good full backs. Gabriel looks like a good centre half to me. Mm-hmm. They've got some good young players coming coming through the academy who are kind of on that brink of the first team. Solid keeper. Um, but they've Party got... went fit as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know where they'll be better? In Woolwich, North Island is ours. Get out. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think their biggest issue is mainly they, they don't seem to have a proper number 10 or a proper number 9, really. They've all got these, these forwards, in inverted commas, who you can't actually pin down what their exact best position is. And they're good utility players, but you, you can't have a team of good utility players. You do actually need some specialists in certain positions, and that's what they lack, and long may it continue. I remember Ash talking quite a lot earlier in the year about you feel that Mourinho has brought in the right kind of player, not only in terms of level and attitude, but for his style of football. I remember one one thing my brother, who, as much as I hate to admit it, is a very educated Arsenal fan, one thing my brother said when they signed Pepe is, well, He's done well in a team that spent all of <laughs> all of that year at Lille playing on the counter. So Pepe would probably look fantastic for us on the right. <laughs> he would he would probably be exactly that kind of sort of fit, you know, of having that pace and that incision to break into those those places. But he's not the right fit for their team, and I think you can see that that squad hasn't been built in a cohesive way. There are too many square pegs, round holes, and um, a manager who, as much as People say he's got some potential. Yeah, but I mean, he's not doing a very good job. You know, I'm not. I'm, I don't think he'll be threatened with a sack. But I think just because Mikel Arteta was coaching under Pep for a bit doesn't mean that he's suddenly a tikka tacker god. Like the guy never played Champions League football. He was a he was a decent centre mid for Everton. Like he's not some Arsenal <laughs> legend who racked up like you know 500 appearances for the club or something. It's like, oh, well, he was Arsenal captain. Yeah, that says a lot about the state of your fucking team in 2014. That doesn't mean that he was some hero. It's like, you know, none of us look back and say, oh, well, I'll tell you who really needs the captaincy for us, Nico Cranchard. Like, you know, that would be against it. <laughs> he could bring back all the old boys like Luca. <laughs> oh, yeah, get the Croatian triangle back. <laughs> I mean, Modric is far too good to include in that. So maybe like Stepe Platakosa. So I'm not even yeah. sure he played a game. <laughs> Harry Redknapp would be chuffed. Harry's heroes. Jose's <laughs> heroes. He referred to them as Son and Kane as animals, and he had to quickly go. Oh, I do like animals. So I love animals. Great, big, big, big fan of animals, especially ponies. Um, yeah. If well, those two, maybe. If, if those two were were animals, what do you think they'd be? Son's a gazelle, isn't he? The way he leaps down that wing. No, he's he a cheater. He's got he's got more aggression about him. He's definitely a meat eater, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd agree with Fen on that. I think Son cheater seems fair. Harry Kane. Buffalo. I was going to go with a cobra. He's a sneaky just little, snivy little bastard who snikes, who strikes with venom and power. Who snikes? I like yeah, that. I know. <laughs> I like is that because we're sponsored by it? Very good. Well, that could be some sort of naming rights thing we could do for the ground now. We should do. Yeah, do the, do the Nike tick in the shape of a snike. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this going, Tom? <laughs> Let's okay, move on. Anyway. <laughs>
<laughs> I feel like Harry Kane would need to be a slower animal, though. Like he's, he's not exactly got pace, but I agree with the trickery aspect. He's, he's quite persistent. I think like, he could almost be like a grizzly bear, couldn't he? Or something like that. I still think he's a buffalo because he he's part of the big five. He's gonna, no one's going to mess with him. But like you say, he's not particularly fast until he gets up to speed, which takes a bit of time, and then he'll, he'll mow you down with... Maybe <laughs> something that triggered you in the, the Brighton game, Jules. But has Kane been endangering people in the air again? I think so. Yes. You know, I, I I don't I don't you know I don't have an issue with with gamesmanship. But I think unfortunately it, it will those kind of challenges when you see someone go up in the air and you back into them and you destabilize them. I do think you risk someone eventually landing and you know dislocating a shoulder, breaking a neck. You know that. The spear tackle in rugby is is the is the kind of comparative move, and in rugby, I believe the rule is that if you take someone when they're off the ground, then you have to return to the ground safely, yeah. right? And I, you know, I, that's that's my only thing. You know, I have no issue with the gamesmanship aspect of it. It's purely about I just worry that that Kane is one day going to be remembered for you know breaking the neck of someone by doing that. Yeah, I agree. In this instance, it was considerably different to the Lana one. Whereas with the Alana one, he got there first, so you could argue that he had the right to be there. This one, he had no chance of getting there before Gabriel. Gabriel was in midair before he even arrived, and he just swiped him out from the legs. And yeah, it could it could end badly. And as much as I hate the Arsenal, nobody wants to see that. So it's something he has to take out of his game because he's obviously he's obviously can't do it safely. So yeah, I think you've won me round on this one, Jules. <laughs> My God. He's won the battle, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the war. <laughs> We've already talked about some of the brilliance of Le Chelsea. Obviously, coming in for Tangi and Dombele, who would probably normally be one of the first names on the team sheet, certainly in this fixture. He declared himself as unfit before the game. As I remember it correctly, I think Jose said something along the lines of the, the player said he was unfit, but he would say that. that uh, there was a sly little dig. I don't know if that's verbatim, but there was a little underlying something to that. And I, is that something do you think we need to be worried about? I think he's earned some grace, hasn't he? Considering what it was like last year. We know Jose's always going to be putting pressure on his players to stand up and be counted for. And I'm I'm not totally against it in this instant. There was there was someone was saying before that he was ill rather than unfit and who knows. But let's be honest, he's played a lot of football recently. Probably the only player that started in each of the last four or five games before the Arsenal game. So Thankfully, it didn't damage us. It didn't. It didn't go against us, and we were lucky enough to have someone as good as the Chelsea to come in and replace him. But you know, if it gives him a kick up the arse, then I'm all for it. I don't think it should matter at all. You know, I mean, ultimately, only the player and the manager will know what's gone on there, and and you know, the state that he was in, whether or not he was in good condition to play. I, I don't agree with this idea that kind of it's it's brave to play through an injury. <laughs> you know, if he's if he's not right, then he's not. <laughs> he's not right, then he's not going to play his best football. And particularly at a club like Tottenham, when you've got a player like the Chelsea waiting in the wings, you know, if, if he's if he's ill and he's not able to do his best, then then step out. You know, let let, let one of your world class teammates get involved. And more broadly, we shouldn't be championing that kind of attitude. I think Mourinho got in a bit of hot water with it at, at Man United when he kept asking Smalling and I think it was um, Phil Jones to play through injuries. And I think just asking Paul Jones to play will get you in hot water, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> it can do, but I mean, I think on this occasion he he sort of insisted that you know one of them had to do it, and Phil Jones, being the brave you know Terry Butcher of 
of our generation got injured and was out for several months. And it's like, well, that wasn't actually to anyone's benefit in the long term, you know, unless the, the only the only example where I think you'd you'd kind of make the argument that you should try and play through an injury is if it's something like a cup final and you think there's really no long term risk. You know, if, if he if he had woken up and was throwing up on the day of Champions League final and there's no Lachelso, fine. Look, take try and get some food in you, get it down, hold it in, whatever. But in just another league game at this stage, like you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't look to create a narrative there if it's not you know if it's not necessary. But this is the Jose who made Eric Dyer play in the fifth round of the League Cup whilst having an <laughs> ass like a rusty tap. So <laughs> who knows what that will mean going forward? Anyway, I've got a bit of trivia for you, loosely linked to Arsenal. Called you a parrot earlier, Jules, and that's our clue for a bit of trivia today. Some fans actually know this trivia fairly well. I've now had it assured that I do believe that it is true because it's sort of borderline urban legend. But the phrase, as sick as a parrot, has a Tottenham Hotspur origin. Were either of you aware of? I was not. Not at all. Well, it all comes about because, you might remember it well, back in 1909, the football club uh, embarked on a tour of Uruguay and Paraguay. And then, obviously, can't fly home on a jet. They sailed home, boat. And upon their safe arrival home, the ship's captain gifted the club the ship's parrot and as a result that parrot lived at the club quite happily for 11 years until it suddenly died and killed over on the very same day that Arsenal relegated us from Division 1 and apparently that is where the phrase the six of parrot comes from. Does that not mean that we should like, I don't know, train up Troy Parrot and then on the day of like Arsenal reaching a major cup final sacrifice him? As some kind of <laughs> sort of you know train well, train lamb, I'll kind of like get out of jail free card. If if Arsenal looked like winning a trophy at any stage in 2030, we have him there ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, did maybe. It, did either of you notice while we're on the t- the topic of trolling Arsenal, and, and and we could chat for hours. I could go get whiskey, guys. <laughs> we, we could, yeah. <laughs> um, did either of you notice Jose? Having a little dig when the first thing that you said at the post match was, um, I just want to say they're a very well coached team. <laughs> that was his opening gambit. <laughs> I was like, that's so rude. That's actually awful. I'm not sure if the next bit is true, but I, I've read that he said Mikel is obviously a good coach and he trained with Pep Guardiola, but both of them lost 2 0 to my Tottenham. So. <laughs> <laughs> If he didn't say it, I really wish he had. <laughs> I hope that's true. So we touched on it earlier. We need to beat uh, Antwerp going forward on our Thursday night game. If we want to top the group, which is desirable, I guess. Ash, what do we need to do differently to get a result here? Don't concede. Next. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we, we need to actually play like we want to be there and that we we'd actually want to top the group because there was no desire in the last game. So... Antwerp are going to, I assume, play very similar to last time where they sit back and catch us on the counter and they give us no space between the midfield and the defence when we have the ball. So we need to get the ball back quickly from them um, when, when we've given it away and generally pretty much play the opposite to what we're playing at the moment because it won't work against a team that's set up to defend the counter. Jules, anything to add? No, I'd agree. I think the interesting decisions for me are whether or not you play your rotated team when this might actually be quite an important match. You know, do you start in particular Hart, Sanchez and Bale, who, you know, I think if you take those guys out, you've got a much better chance of topping the group. But 
how important is it to us that Gareth Bale starts to look like the player that we want him to be? Yeah, I think a bit of rotation is is healthy anyway. But you talked about it there, like a team that sits deep, is compact and gets you in the counter. It's literally <laughs> playing ourselves here. And it, it's something <laughs> that maybe slightly concerns me going forward because we might have a similar issue when we play Palace at the weekend. I know we've got the tricks of Eze and Zahar and an informed Benteke to deal with as well. <laughs> um, you say that, but he's a, he's a tricky centre-forward, you know. He, he starts is. taking centre-backs out of the game. So when you've got Eze and Zahar playing around him, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit terrifying. That said, Palace probably will be wary about us, but we have to find a way of breaking down teams in order to get the first goal. Does Jose have it in him to, to be able to start playing those sort of risk? I think so. I think it's also, whenever we've spoken about the best Jose teams of the past, they have the ability to win sometimes with the ball. You know, you look at that, that Chelsea team, yes, they could play defensive counter-attack and they could, they could play the way that we just did, but they could also beat teams 2-3-0 with, you know, Joe Cole, Duff, Drogba, Lampard break from midfield. I think in this game, I'd want us to set a higher line. I'd want us to to press more aggressively. I'd I'd want us to be a bit more proactive on the ball and to recognise that, you know, we shouldn't be playing every game the same. And I think that's something that Jose's brilliant at is is kind of tailoring us to the opposition. Hopefully, in this game, he recognises that you know actually sitting deep maybe against a team with those kind of wingers and a centre forward who. We laugh, Ash, but he's bloody big. <laughs> he's, yeah, a, he he's, he's a big boy. He's a menace. Uh, he's a menace and, you know, crosses into the box. I know Toby and, and Dyer are good in the air, but, you know, let's let's not expose that. I think this is a game to be a bit more um, incisive and kind of remember a bit of uh, bit of our old kind of habits under Poch, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Zaha's probably up there again with the player that's been fouled the most in the league. He is, he is every year. And I think we're going to kick him to shit on <laughs> the weekend. <laughs> Let's be honest. We have Jose as a manager, players that we've got. I'd be surprised if he comes off walking, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> his shin pats will end up like that uh, corner flag that Jamie Vardy <laughs> managed to shatter into pieces. Let's hope that Jose, despite Spurs being his little pony, let's hope that we're not a one-trick pony and we find lots of different ways to win. Uh, anyway, predictions. Antwerp on Thursday. We are at home. Ash, what are you saying? I will back us to get a 3-1 win. Interesting. Jules? I think a one-all draw. Whoa, that's sad. That is sad. But I don't necessarily disagree. I think you will be tight, <laughs> but I'm going to back us. 2-1 win. That leads us for Palace, Tom. Tough one. So they might squeeze in a goal. They're tricky, and it's away. 2-1 win again. That's boring, isn't it? <laughs> it's, not, it's not as boring as 1-0, which is what I think we'll get. It's not mm. as boring as me agreeing with Jules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Narrow wins. That's what we're predicting, lads. Well, as long as we're top of the league, who cares? <laughs> anyway, thanks for following us on our treasure map to uh, the treasure that is this podcast. Thanks for finding it. We'll see you next time.